You all know how the saying goes. When you're at the bottom, there's no place else to go but up. But after you've made a series of big splash moves to hopefully fix that, how far up can you go? We'll look at that on today's show. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome. This is Locked on BC. I'm your host, AJ Black. I'm the editor and publisher of Eagle Insider, part of the 247 Network. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, folks. <clears throat> Practice is continuing now at BC. Today on Tuesday, the Eagles had their second practice of the spring after a week layoff after BC went on break. Uh, spring break, you know, fans, you know, the players got to go away. They go go home, go to Punakana, wherever they were going. They got a chance to kind of sit back and relax. But they're back on campus. And <clears throat> we're starting to settle in and look at where this team is at. You know, it's only two practices in. But you have to have the biggest question in your mind heading into 2023 is how much is this offensive line actually improving? Because last year was embarrassing. It was bad. And you we, we can go over all of the details again. Last in the country in rushing. Near the bottom in the country in sacks allowed. You know, everything in between. Pressures, you know, uh, quarterback hits. They were all awful. It was bad. And you knew going into last offseason that Jeff Halfley, who you know, is, is on the hot seat after a year of going three and nine is going to have to do something to fix that problem. And he had a whole series of things that he did. He fired Dave DeGuglielmo, the offensive line coach that he brought in for one year and was a complete disaster. Well, I mean, his ability to uh, develop anyone on this team, I, I would say is a disaster. Um, he got rid of John McNulty, the offensive coordinator after one year. He went out and landed two transfers in uh, Logan Taylor out of UVA and Kyle Hergel out of Texas State, a tackle and a, a guard. He then got Christian Mahogany to return. He did all of these things to hopefully solidify a position that was was tough. I mean, you look at what they had to do last year. And and I, and I, and before I get into this, these issues were known. And so I, I think even Jeff Halfley would admit it's it's on him that they were that bad last year and they weren't able to find things to fix it. You go into last year with one returning offensive lineman into spring ball. Christian Mahogany. He goes down. You're down to zero. You have two guys that you expect to be your starters day one come in. Drew Kendall and Ozzy Trapilo. Two four-star offensive linemen. You're thinking, okay, that's something. They're young. And then after that, you have Jack Conley, who uh, has had some experience. 
You have Kevin Klein, who has none. And you have a bunch of question marks. Finn Durstein, who has been hurt a bunch, who's no longer on the team. You go through this whole season. And not only are they struggling, but they're getting ravaged by injury. Kevin Klein out for the year. Finn Durstein gets hurt constantly. You are then plugging in guys that were on the defensive line. You know, Dwayne Alec was a defensive lineman in 2021. You're plugging in um, walk-ons like Nick Thomas. You're playing guys all over the place like Jack Conway, three or four different positions last year. It was a disaster. And you can't have that. Again, that's on the coaching staff for not figuring that piece out beforehand and letting it get bad. But then you you trickle in <clears throat> to the offseason. You make these moves. You set yourself up. And now you have to feel better because you look at the offensive line from last year to this year. Last year, it literally, I think every podcast I had during summer ball was who's going to be the offensive line. No one knew. And I don't even think the staff may have known. I mean, I talked to DeGoogs during summer ball and he said, and it was like two weeks before the start of uh, the season that they were still evaluating. I feel like this spring, Halfley could say that they have some battles going on, and that's good, and we'll get into that later. But I bet you you could tell tell me five guys that are going to play next year. You, you've got guys that you're expecting to take that next step. You have Drew Kendall, who, you know, I've seen the staff say that he was a freshman All-American. Still has a lot of room to improve, and that, fresh, that All-American um, – Decision was from some comp- uh, site I've never heard of, but whatever. I still think he he could grow uh, to become a good offensive lineman. You have Ozzy Trapillo coming back, who I think, yeah, he wasn't perfect. He was definitely not what you need from an, a tackle last year, but I saw some growth out of him. Of anyone I saw growth of, I think those two guys were that were it. You have those two guys. Then you add in Christian Mahogany. All ACC. This kid is going to be a first-round draft pick if he continues to play the way he did before. And then you add two transfers. Logan Taylor, probably maybe the biggest question mark, but we've had Mitch on talking about that he has the the highest upside of anyone on this offensive line. And Kyle Hergel, who has played quite a bit and can do a lot of different things. You have all of that. And then you have guys that are coming back that have done things. We'll get into that in just a moment. But before we do that, it is March Madness time, folks. Have you been listening to college basketball on Locked On? Grab your bracket and go listen to the Locked On College Basketball Bracket Breakdown. With national analysis and yet the insights from our local experts, the Locked On College Basketball Bracket Down, that is a mouthful, my goodness, has everything you need to make the most informed decisions on your bracket. Find the episodes on Locked On College Basketball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And I also want to shout out our good friends over at FanDuel. Is where you got to go. If you are looking to make some bets during this college ba- uh, for, for this college basketball season, but also the NBA. It's the midway point of the NBA season, and it's now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. 
Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drain to high scores, whatever you want. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Locked on BC, AJ Black here. And we're talking about this offensive line. And I was getting into the the steps in the right direction. Now, I've seen I've seen a lot of hate towards Matt Applebaum, who's the new coach slash old offensive line coach who's returning back to Boston College after a year sabbatical in the uh, with the Miami Dolphins. I I go I I I think of you know what we see and I know fans see things about him and and don't like it and I get that. I go to Pro Football Focus and I see the ratings for the offensive line in 2021 and it doesn't mirror what the fans say. And I have to admit I am not the, I have bashed Pro Football Focus before. But they had BC, I believe, with the 11th highest run blocking and 33rd highest pass blocking that year. That is a huge improvement over what we had in 2022. So I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I see a lot of folks saying like, oh, AJ, like, how can you how can folks say that he's good? You had these all these potential guys out there. Uh, that were going to be in the NFL and they didn't play that way. And I, and I get that. I think there were others in play though, that made that offensive line look suspect at times, which a lot of it had to do with the offense. You just didn't have anyone to throw the ball with Dennis Grossell and such. That being said, now you're looking at this offensive line. Now you're looking to see, can they take that jump? Because, this team is going to go as far as that line plays. This offensive line is going to be absolutely critical if BC wants to get, make a bowl and go beyond that because this is the year that Jeff Halfley has to take that step. That has to go above six and six. Seven and five is the floor. Get above that because you have a garbage out of conference schedule this year. You don't play Notre Dame. You don't play Clemson. You get to play... UConn at home. I hope to God that what happened last year doesn't happen again. I'm going to leave it at that. You get Army. I, I I would hope that a defensive coach could figure out how to take care of Army. NIU, who was bad. And you get Holy Cross, which I, every BC fan thinks is going to be BC. I, I'm not there yet. Okay? You get that. And then you don't play Wake Forest. You don't play NC State. You don't play Clemson. This, but the, but the, here's the deal. They have talent. And I said yesterday that I think Emmett Moorhead is talented enough to get them further along than maybe Phil Dracovic even was able to do. But, and this is a big but, if this offensive line goes backwards, they're in big trouble. But they won't. I don't see it happening. And here's why. In Tuesday's press conference, you know, I, 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 I am not saying that I don't um, 
I think it's it's rubbish to listen to the press conference, but a lot of it's coach speak, and you hear the same things over and over again. But there is an interesting thing. You take the nuggets out of it that you want to, and and one of the nuggets I got out of this from Jeff Halfley, he's brought it up twice now, is that the offensive line is very different than last year because there is depth. Instead of looking at their defensive line and going, Oh man, who Dave Googs, who are we going to pull to make an offensive lineman? They're running out three lines of offensive linemen that could play day one. They have depth. And yes, if they got blasted by injuries, they're in trouble again, but they need to, they have the guys now, you know, I haven't even mentioned Jude Bowery who put on, it looked like 30 pounds. I think since last year, you've got him, you've got Kevin Klein who will be back this summer. You have, um, you've got some of the younger kids that are coming up as well. You have depth. Finally, you can absorb injuries. You've got guys and that breeds competition that makes guys up their game because you don't have a guy sitting at guard or tackle with no one behind him because he knows he's the only guy that could play that position. You've got three guys behind him and you know, uh, what is it? Iron sharpens iron. That's exactly what's happening with. It's going to hopefully will happen with this offensive line. Now that's, that's taken the positive spin on this thing because I can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And believe me, I do a podcast five days a week. I talk a lot about BC football. But it all doesn't matter until feet hit the pavement. Till this team hits the the gridiron on September 3rd or whatever it is against NIU. And we see that improvement. We see a running game actually able to to go out there and do what it needs to do. We see Emmett Moorhead not getting put on his butt every other play. Until we see that, it's all conjecture. It's all it's all worries right now. But right now, I look at that starting five, and I feel much better than I did last year. Because last year, <clears throat> you can go back and find the tapes. I said all BC needed to do with that offensive line was be serviceable and they'd be okay. Were they serviceable? Absolutely not. <laughs> they were nothing serviceable at all. They were they were bad. This year, I'm expecting them not only to be serviceable, but to be honestly kind of good. So put that in. I'll, I'm going to continue with that. When you hear me on ESPN Clemson or ES, they probably won't have me because they don't need to talk to me this year. But all those other podcasts, when they ask me about it, I'm not even going to say that I think BC's offensive line is going to be serviceable. I think this offensive line could be good. I'm expecting Christian Mahogany to be good. I'm expecting Ozzy Trapillo to take a next step. And I think that Drew Kendall, when he doesn't have to worry about the two guards next to him, not knowing what they're doing or, or struggling or, or, or not, you know, they're changing every other week will be much better when you have Kyle Hergel next to him and mahogany. I think that's a reasonable expectation 
because a young guy that has two vets next to him is going to be a lot better than he is when he has a defensive lineman that was supposed to be a defensive lineman next to him and somebody else who's just been thrown in there. I think it's going to be a different story in 2023. And BC may have issues. They absolutely are not a perfect team. But I don't think offensive line is going to be the issue in 2023 if there's a big issue that, that, that sinks this team. And we'll get into that to that more as we get into the summer. But I'm going to flip the script in just a moment and talk about the basketball team. It's the transfer portal season. Many of you have already started to fill out your brackets. and I, But it's also that, you know, for teams like BC, they're looking at who's leaving, who's coming. And I talk about my concerns and where BC needs to hit in that transfer portal in just a moment. But if you are listening to this on a podcast or someplace else, I have a favor to ask you. Go to YouTube right now. Subscribe to Locked On Boston College. Hit that like button as well. And as we get closer to 1,000 subscribers, which is absolutely free, doesn't cost you a cent, I'm going to give away two t-shirts to Homefield Apparel. They have some BC gear. If you haven't checked them out, you can go to Homefield Apparel and find those out. I had to get to 1,000 subscribers, though. So hit that up right now. Go to Locked On BC on Twitter and hit that subscribe button right this moment. We'll be back in just a moment. Locked On BC, AJ Black. We're talking, we're, we're moving on past football here. We'll talk about basketball. On yesterday's show, we talked about Maria Gakdang entering the transfer portal. It was reported by someone who covers women's basketball, but she herself announced it on Tuesday evening that she's entering the transfer portal. And they said on yesterday's episode, that's devastating for BC women's basketball because she's one of the best players they have, someone they've developed. I don't know what the deal is, and someone asked me. I cover BC. I mean, I'll tell you folks. Football and basketball are the two sports I have connections with, and I about what the ins and outs of that women's basketball i don't i'm sorry i just i don't have connections to the program i may hear things here and there but like asking me to go find out i just can't go find out what's going on there it's not a team i cover so i'm, I'm limited i can't cover every you know 31 bc sports so sorry about that but men's basketball over the last two days i think i saw uh verbal commits say that there's like 370 players already in the transfer portal at this point, at the time of this recording, there's absolutely none from Boston College, which is kind of surprising. And I think the number is leading because I've seen tweets, and I'll, I'll tell you one right off the bat. I saw Damar Langford tweet out, thank you, BC. And it just struck me as a potential um, entering the transfer portal. I haven't seen anything, though, to, to, to justify that. I mean, you'd expect that you'd see some of the uh, big names tweet out that he's entering the transfer portal. Haven't seen anyone. We've seen CJ Penna announce that he's basically done. We know that um, Makai Ashton Langford is done. And we also are, are, you know, crossing our fingers, toes and everything, you know, uh, putting as many pennies into the well as much as we can that Quentin Post is going to be back. But we don't know that. He said in his final press conference that he doesn't know what he's doing yet. He hasn't talked to the coaching staff yet. So, that's a big question mark though, because when you have all these guys, you know, either coming or going BC needs to get into the transfer portal. They have two guys coming in to take roster spots, which I imagine will be Penas 
and Makayash and Langford. I believe there might have been one other roster spot that was open last year, but I don't have that in front of me. But BC's already involved in the transfer portal. I've seen their names with in contact with a bunch of different transfers. That must mean that they know that they have spots. And I don't know who that's going to be. I honestly don't know who they're going to get. But what do they need? What does BC need to, att- to attack in the transfer portal? First and foremost, they need perimeter shooters. They tried to go out and address that last year with Mason Madsen. And I, I'm not going to bash the guy because a guy was just on our podcast. He had his ups and downs. He looked better near the end of the year, I have to say. But I think they need guys that can consistently shoot outside. Now, I think Donald Hand is going to be that guy when he's healthy, but he was only on the roster for a hot minute before he hurt his knee and he was gone. I think that's a big issue right there. And then I think the other big need is a big behind post. And if he's gone, a big to play. TJ Bickerstaff is not that guy. He is fine in situational plays and you could play him for specific minutes, but offensively he's a bit of a a bit. He's, he's kind of a liability. You see him do things here and there, but he's not consistently the guy that can do that kind of stuff that you need. Right. Armani mighty looks raw. And I don't know how many more years he's going to take. I'm sure, you know, he didn't, I don't think he qualifies to redshirt this year. Maybe he does. If he can redshirt this year, that'd be great because then next year he can kind of continue to sit and figure things out, but he's not ready. Jalen Hastings, their true freshman I hear is, is kind of like, like mighty their, their development projects. You need someone behind or in front of playing for post. If you have that spot open. So I think another big, they need another big that can eat minutes. Um, McLaughlin's kind of that guy, but he's also a following machine. And, you, and if if Post leaves and you put McLaughlin out there right now, I I think uh, my feeling is he would get into foul trouble real fast, and they'd be in problem. They'd be problems. So I think those are the two big uh, spots. Now the big thing to think about is this is where we're at right now. That's like the end of the season. You 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 hit uh, cut on the rest of that year. That's what you need. We haven't seen yet what players players that leave that leave bigger holes, and I don't know who that would be. You have to address those those two. Like just just hypothetically speaking, some say like Prince Aligbe leaves, then you're in need of a wing. You need something else. So right now, you know, putting putting where BC's at, those are the two big needs. But we'll have to talk about it if things change. It's been quiet, but. I think we're all a little naive to think if nothing is going to happen, it's going to happen. We'll just have to wait and see what that, that means. Now I'm going to hit up the comment section, see what you guys have to say. Um, we're going to have to see, see what uh, you guys had to say into this uh, podcast. So Mark Falzone says, this is the million dollar question. If the O-line improves, we can win games. If not, we'll have another losing ceiling season. Really that simple. Marty party says, O-line can only go up. Last year was the worst case scenario playing out. Drew Adams says, Dave DeGuglielmo was a bad hire. He's changed jobs every year for 15 years, adding BC which shuts his eyes and hopes it would all work out. No adjustments or raising of or, or raising a problem. Yeah, I mean, looking back at that, that's, that should have been a big red flag. And I, and I credit to those, I know some of you out there had that. Like, Googs was around and I remember talking about his time with the Patriots and how hated he was in new, new England after that year. Uh, but thank you, Drew. 
Jeff says, hey, AJ, general question. Why is BC so far behind a program like Notre Dame? Do you think that's even possible for BC to have a prop similar ceiling on its paper? The universities aren't crazy different. Um, so Notre Dame had huge historical advantage over BC. They have had um, a program that has won national titles that have been in the top. BC, BC doesn't you know, attract those types of athletes. And I think Notre Dame does let players go through that don't hit the academic. I think once BC, you know, their academics are, or their admissions are a little easier for players to get through. I think that could change things, but will they ever become Notre Dame? I don't, I don't see that. I mean, not in my lifetime. It's going to take a while if that was going to ever happen. And you, you would need a lot of change up top to get to that. And I just don't see it. Dennis, AJ, with the exception of NIU, every out of conference coach, is better than Halfley. Uh, yeah, maybe. You, maybe right there. Uh, and then we got... Um, Dennis then says, are we sure the women's basketball coach is that good? Didn't she not get the head coach coaching job at her alma mater after a pretty good run at BC over the past few years? Something is not right there. I don't know what's going on with the women's basketball team. I just I said it on yesterday's episode. The amount of transfers out is concerning there, and I don't know what it is. I know folks go right to NIL. Really? How much NIL is going on in women's basketball? Not to, not to knock the sport, but the money can't, I don't, I don't see it as a money issue. And I can't, um, you know, predict what that is. Okay. Um, Mark says no ideas of the reality, but getting maybe transferring for personal reasons, not related to coach or basketball. Saw something unconfirmed on Twitter. I don't know about that. Uh, Bruce says, I think that a real expectation for B- men's basketball with post is an NCAA tournament appearance without him. I don't know what could happen. Yep. Bruce, I think you said it perfectly. I don't know what could happen if I don't even want to think about what would happen with, with post, but yeah, if they get him back, if they get Donald hand back, I think the expectation for this team should be a, a, a tournament next year. They have enough talent on it. They should be able to do it. Okay. So thank you all for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. Hopefully we'll have some more news and updates to give you. Uh, Thank you all. And again, if you have not subscribed to our YouTube page, please do that right now. It is super easy. It's free. It doesn't cost us a thing. And it helps out the podcast tremendously. I don't ask you guys for much. Um, So just go over to youtube.com, hit that subscribe button and become a member. It doesn't cost a dime. For AJ Black, follow me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC. We'll be back again tomorrow. See y'all soon. Take care.